0: Is Israeli democracy in danger? As judicial reform is discussed in the Knesset's halls, we at the Times of Israel are taking a journey, probing into what are the country's current checks and balances, and what could be the consequences of potential new legislation. Are we headed for a tyranny of the majority, or rather implementing much-needed legislation? Join us as we explore these issues with top Israeli legal experts in this Limited Times of Israel podcast series, Israel's Judiciary, Reform or Ruin? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode, which is drawn from the second session of a Times of Israel live-streamed event on the topic of judicial reform that took place on December 15th at the Israel Democracy Institute in Jerusalem. In this episode, attorney Shlomit ravitsky turpaz speaks about her work in the areas of religion and state at the IDI. She explains that the courts have continuously asked lawmakers to create legislation, but ended up reluctantly making rulings, for example, in cases of Jewish status. Times of Israel editor David Horowitz introduces Shlomit and asks some follow-up questions. Future episodes will include remarks from additional speakers about specific cases of using a tactic of strategic litigation to broaden human rights.
1: Let me now introduce Shlomit Ravitsky-Turpaz, Director of the Israel Democracy Institute's Joan and Erwin Jacobs Center for Shared Society and Director of the Institute's Religion and State Program, who's going to speak about her work in the area of religion and state. Hello. Hi, let me just talk a little bit about the Jacobs Center. uh, The Jacobs Center focuses on strengthening social solidarity and fostering commitment to democratic values in Israel. Shlomit Ravitsky-Turpaz previously co-founded and directed ITIM, which is the Jewish Life Advocacy Center, an organization committed to increasing participation in Jewish life by making Israel's religious establishment respectful of and responsive to the diverse Jewish needs of the Jewish people. Please, the floor is yours.
2: Um, hello, so thank you for for having us and for, for listening. Israel has no constitution. So as a result of the situation, The Bill of Rights is up to the court. This is the reason the court during the years became the defender of the rights. And uh, the situation now, when we know the court might lose its uh, power and its ability to defend the rights, uh, we are concerned. The court did not jump on this opportunity to come instead of the legislators. The court in every time, in every decision, asked, actually begged the legislature of Israel to give a decision about uh, those issues of uh, religion and right and and, uh, state decisions, about conversions, uh, for example, about the women of the wall and the rights Uh, uh, their rights uh, in the wall. In different issues, the court waited, sometimes three years, sometimes even 10 years, between the time people asked the court for a remedy and the time the court was able to give an answer. The court asked the, the government to decide, asked the parliament to decide made the the Parliament have different uh, sessions and different uh, uh, people talking and deciding and trying to give decisions. Only when the court saw there is no other option and people are suffering, are not getting their answer from the court, did the court rise up and uh, give a decision in those issues. I want to give a few examples that has to do with our issues and examples for things that if the court will not have this power to give an answer, to decide, the situation of the rights of the people in Israel may be, may be less than, may maybe a problem. The, the issue of conversion, for example... Uh, the conversion here in Israel is something that's happening through the rabbinical uh, courts, through the rabbinet. If people are getting, this is an orthodox, of course, uh, as we know, the, the Israeli uh, institutional Jewish uh, identity is a uh, orthodox. When there were uh, other liberal conversions, reform or conservative uh, conversions in the 80s, The court was the one making the uh, Ministry of Interiors recognize the people who were uh, converted by the reform or the conservative movement outside of Israel. It made the Ministry of Interiors to recognize them as Jews. In the eyes of the Ministry of Interiors, it does not apply to the rabbinet. therefore do not apply to getting married in Israel, but to be seen by the state of Israel uh, as Jews. This was during the 80s. Later on, during the 90s, this happened also with people who got converted uh, by the liberal movements here in Israel and during the first years of of, uh, the 2000s. Later on, just a few years ago, private uh, conversions that are done by a recognized community of Jews were also recognized. Another example is um, Shabbat. Also, Tel Aviv, for example, opened, uh, let people open supermarkets, small small, uh, places of food and restaurants, and uh, did not apply the laws of the city to, to close them on Shabbat. People went to the courts, the court said, okay, you should either close those places or change your law, your local law. Uh, So Tel Aviv said, okay, I'm going to change my law. It changed the law, and then the Minister of Interiors was not willing to give his, uh, his approval for this law. Another year, another year passed, three years passed, and then they came back to the court. The court said, okay, you must give a decision, you must approve, this is a a, a local, their local authority. And after more time passed, uh, so the court was the one approving this option of the local government of Tel Aviv to give decisions. This is the way the court works also uh, in civil marriage issues this was not part of the, of the Israeli law. It was given and recognized uh, by the court, rights of people in a common law marriage, benefits and rights were given uh, during the 60s and then more so during the 80s uh, by the court, issue that has to do with the women of the Kotel, uh, w- women of the wall, this is something that is not, did, they did not yet get their uh, rights to have their freedom of religion or their uh, way of Jewish identity in the, in the wall, in the Western wall. They do get a, a specific uh, place there. And this is the solution. But all those issues, all the time, the court said, "Get, give a decision. The parliament, the government, you should take care of this. There, Here are compromises that you're coming for, uh, with. Okay, we'll give you the time. Make them happen. And since those disputes and those struggles in Israel are so difficult, so most of our decision makers are not willing to make an actual decision. This was the situation uh, during many of the years. So the court was the one after he gave another option, another option, defending uh, some of the rights, of the religious rights or the situation between religious states here in Israel. So this is where we stand. Now there is a question, what's going to happen if the override clause will uh, will actually uh, be legislated in the next few weeks or months, what would be the situation? One option is that the law will not be able to give uh, help to people coming to it because of the new legislation, and people will lose some of those rights. For example, the conversion uh, by conservative and reform movements will not be recognized anymore, either uh, conversion that is done in Israel or is done outside of it. Uh, or uh, this is something some of the partners of the new coalition are saying they're going to change. This, uh, of course, also um, um, can happen with the women of the war with other issues. Another issue, for example, the court is the one that made um, schools for ultra-Orthodox girls um, give parts also to Sephardic girls that were not able to get uh, in because of the rules of the school during uh, 2009 and later on again in a few decisions uh, of the court. Will this be changed, for example, if the parliament will change it, the Knesset, so is, and, and the court will not have the force, the power to to say no This is something you cannot do. So the rights and the benefits will change. Another option is that the decision will move to uh, to, um, to the parliament. And then one option is, as I said, that people will lose their rights. And maybe another option, maybe an optimistic option, maybe not a very realistic option, but is that different tribes of the society will have to uh, do what we are running away from for 75 years and try to have those compromises um, this constitution, we're not, uh, uh, we do not have... It Has to give decisions on those issues, um, to give time and, and a place to this discussion. But uh, but as we uh, when we hear the declarations of the people uh, uh, in the new parliament and uh, becoming government. So it's not very optimistic that this will be the place to find a common ground, a common the common values. But since there is a very big sense of victory, uh, people that felt that uh, they were uh, repressed and now they they are on top and now they have the victory. So according to their declarations, this will not be the situation, and they will. Uh, celebrate their victory uh, in every way possible.
1: I want to ask you, can you give us some examples of cases that you yourself have handled and your interactions with the court? Any specific cases that you would like to tell us about?
2: Things that I that I was involved in has had to do a, a lot with getting to, with, it's called Berur Yahadut, understanding is someone a, a Jew. This is the things that uh, mainly happened after the 90s, after the big uh, uh, aliyah from the former uh, uh, Soviet Union, where people uh, not only, uh, when, when a lot of people came with the sense, what they knew about themselves was that they are Jewish, but when they came here they understood they're not seen as such here in Israel. So one option is conversion. One option, Another option is to try to base their case uh, of, uh, of, of the situation that they are uh, Jews. And of course, this is also what what can the the rabbinical court ask them for? What is okay to to um, what are the documents that they can bring from the Soviet Union? Of course, uh, those are uh, a lot of the time we're talking about families that needed to hide those documents for many years or get rid of them, so they don't necessarily have them for many years. They had to show that they are not Jews. Uh, So questions like this, what would be the, the situation of these people here? Uh, Will they have the benefits according to the law of return? This is one part. Will they be uh, recognized as Jews? And if they will make conversion, what kind of conversion uh, they will have to do? What will the rabbinical court, uh, will it help them? Will it see them as um, grandchildren of Jews or um, sons and daughters of of a Jewish father? Will this help them make the situation easier for them? Will they be recognized by society? Will they be recognized by the ministries here? So this is a, a, those are the cases. And, and um, all, so we have, Israel's situation is unique because we have here like a double a status for people. They can be Jewish in the eyes of the state, but not Jewish in the eyes of the Rabinet. And uh, this status is something we have to to live with, and we're trying to negotiate and help people during uh, those situations.
1: Okay, I just elaborate on that because it's very interesting. Um, your last point, I think most people watching will know. You have, you know, a Jewish Jewish status for citizenship purposes, and you have Jewish status as regards the Rabanut. You've worked with the the state court system. In a way that impacts the rabbanut. In other words, the courts would say to the rabbanut, "These are documents that you should be accepting." I don't understand. Is there some interaction there, or am I misunderstanding?
2: That it's not a, a direct interaction because the rabbinical courts would be the one deciding if someone is Jewish Alachic. in order halachic in order to be, for example, married here. Mm-hmm. But the question of the of the authorities. Of the uh, rabbinical court. For example, there was in 1992, there was a big, like the half million a Haredi people demonstration that was done by the, the ultra Orthodox politicians and by, um, it was um, initiated by the rabbi from Guru, and he brought all his people because he said the courts are um, making uh, it uh, impossible to be a Jew in Israel. Uh, Our life, uh, way of life for many years is being destroyed by the courts. And the three decisions they were uh, so um, mad at, one of them had to do with how many, um, with, with getting recruited to the army, ultra-orthodox yeshiva boys recruited to the army. Another one was about what you're you're talking now, that how much will the rabbinical courts, in cases of divorces, will they have the freedom to give decisions according to the halachic law, to the Jewish law? Or in specific cases where the court told them no, for example, in, in questions of the division of the property and of the money of a couple that's getting divorced, you will have to do it according to the state law. It's okay that it's happening in your court, but the laws you're going to, to have to work according to are the laws of the state. So this was also a, a, one of the issues. And this is not the first time that this clause of, of, of override um, is the question. For example, in, after the elections of 96, exactly like now, because the ultra-Orthodox wanted to stop the recognition of uh, conversions that, as I said, were recognized, reconver- reform, conversion, conservative ones that were done here in Israel— so they said, okay. After the election, we want this uh, a clause inside the coalition uh, decisions, just like now riot building this coalition, we want it written inside that there will be this uh, uh, this uh, override and also that this decision will be uh, cancelled. Otherwise, we're not getting into uh, into the government and the Jews around the world. Went crazy, and they said, "If this is what you're doing, we are cutting our ties with the land of Israel, with the state of Israel." And uh, this was the background for a um, what's called that's an iman, like the different uh, streams sitting together and trying to build a conversion a procedure, or or at least the this procedure uh, before the conversion that is done in a more liberal way that has to do more with the history of the Jewish people and letting everyone know about the different streams, different identities and ways of life of, of different Jews, even though the actual conversion was in the Orthodox court.
1: Can I ask you one last question, then we're going to wrap this up? There's anything else you, that you want, you want to add afterwards, by all means? Just on the issue of the law of return, which kind of is relevant to some of the things that you said, uh, where there is discussion now of possibly amending the law of return in some way, uh, possibly even abolishing the so, so-called grandchild clause, or ch- or having some kind of new, more nuanced uh, approach to people who are coming in under the grandchild clause, that they would not get citizenship, but they would get residency and so on. Is that something that that, uh, that work that you have done gives you an insight onto?
2: Yes. So this is, I think this is an open question. This is not a question that we necessarily have a, a very um, sharp opinion one-sided on. And we can see people from the left uh, side or the right side can think very differently because you can say that because of the The fact that this law is not uh, egalitarian, and it has uh, the Arabs has problem with this because they don't have a similar law. Mm -hmm. So, from the left uh, wing, we it's it's an option to say we should not we we should uh, uh, make this law maybe uh, not expand it, maybe make uh, uh, less people have the benefits and from uh, the right side you can say the same thing we want our identity of jews here not to be so or not only jews identity of the people coming here we our uh, the way we see judaism and the family of jews we want to see it differently and while speaking from the right side uh, you can say i don't want people here that may change the Jew. I want to hear only Jews, and not their maybe their sons, not their families. But you can also say, and we see from that um, from the right side, we see people that are saying, as it's, it changed the demography of Israel. So as long as they're not Arabs, it doesn't matter that they're not Jews. So you can see that. that so the the um, voices here are not as divided. Uh, and structured, as people sometimes uh, say. But I think what's difficult here is when we were talking, when, when the Gavizon Medane covenant uh, was offered in 2003, 20 years ago, they tried to do some kind of trade-off in order to make some kind of compromise on the public sphere of Israel and the way Issues of a uh, religion and the uh, state are decided. So, for example, like they said on Shabbat issues, so not commerce, no, but uh, culture, yes, and transportation. So, on these issues, they said we want uh, we want the law of return to be uh, not not to 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 expand on the on the grandson and granddaughter. We want it to to be relevant to a smaller amount of people, but the trade-off on the other side is we're going to expand the recognition of reform and conservative uh, um, conversions. So there is some kind of of compromise, of understanding there are different people here and different voices and different identities and different ways to to be a Jew, And if we take some from here, we give some here. What we're facing now is a very different uh, way of looking at the situation and looking at the people of Israel. We're not saying, okay, if we give here, we should take here. We should find something that is possible to understand and to embrace to all the different tribes uh, that are are here in in the state of Israel. But... We take like all the every all the decisions, all the feelings, all the rights and benefits to one side of the map and give nothing to the other side. And this is something that is very dangerous because especially when we're talking about uh, ultra-Orthodox, because if you give too much, and now I'm relating also to uh, financial issues, you give more to uh, Yeshivot, you give more to the students of Yeshivot, you give them more than you give soldiers, um, more monthly uh, uh, payment, and and you're asking too much. On one point, people will say, enough, we cannot take it anymore. And all the power, the actual power of you know, of of some of the things here, of the actual uh, uh, economy, and uh, of the of the defense of the state of Israel, do not do not uh, uh, sit with the ultra orthodox people. So, on one point, if you uh, take the um, if you take too much. Take the the, smicha, the, blanket. Uh, the blanket, you, you, <laughs> you uh, pull the blanket too much mm-hmm. to one side, so you, we might have a problem, something may expo- explode, people will say we cannot do it anymore. And the common story here, the common values, the way we came here to be one people, one nation... At least when we're talking about, about about the Jews and when we're talking about the, the other minority of Israel, how we live here together, how we're finding common ground to everyone. So all this story, all this all this uh, fight for a common ground, will be too much, uh, too damaged, and so something will change here very very drastically. So if I were now talking, you know, about interests and benefits. If I were the ultra-orthodox people, I would be much more humble and much more, and, you know, saying, okay, we want, of course, we won. We are, uh, we, we can have our share now, but to give limits and to say, okay, there's some things you can do. You cannot change the entire
0: rules of the game
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shlomit.
0: Thank you for listening to this piece of a discussion hosted by the Times of Israel delving into all sides of the looming High Court Override Clause proposal. A thanks to producer Gilad Brownstein and to TOI's own Mick Weinstein. Shalom.